0: Thanks for joining us today for the Eagle Drive Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Chris Thorne. Eagle Drive is a Bible-believing, New Testament Baptist church where Jesus is preeminent and the gospel of grace is at center stage. We are devoted to connecting with God, growing together, serving others, and sharing our faith. If you would like to know more about our ministry, visit eagledrivebaptist.com. Now, here's today's message. As we talked about last week, it was really kind of him turning the corner, going to understand that there is more to this life than what he even thought. So Ecclesiastes chapter 8, once you find your place, go ahead and stand if you would. We're going to read the first verse together, and then we're going to skip down to verse number 14. So this morning's message is kind of a simple message, and I'm doing it a little bit backwards. I'm actually preaching the end of the chapter this morning, and encouraging you to come back tonight because we're going to finish the rest of the chapter going back to the front In the beginning of it. But Ecclesiastes chapter 8, look with me in verse number 1, and then we're going to skip down to verse number 14. (coughs) Excuse me. Who is as the wise man, and who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. Skip down to verse number 14. There is a vanity which is done upon the earth, that there be just men unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked again, there be wicked men to whom it happeneth according to the work of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. Then I commended mirth, because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat and to drink and be merry. For that shall abide with him of his labor the days of his life, which God giveth him under the sun. When I applied mine heart to know wisdom, and to see the busyness that is done upon earth, for also there is that neither day nor night seeth sleep with his eyes, then I beheld all the work of God, that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun, because though a man labor to seek it out, yet he shall not find it. Yea, further... Though a wise man think to know it, yet shall he not be able to find it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. I thank you for this day. And Lord, God, I pray that you'd be with me for the next few minutes as I preach this message this morning and really just challenge our people to start out the year to understand what we need to lose in 2020 and really going forward in our lives. God, I pray that you'd help this message to really get a hold of people's lives. And God, I pray that you'd be with us as we endeavor as a church to make an impact on our community on a local and a global scale this year and going forward. God, I pray that you'd help people to truly get engaged and involved and understand that they were made for so much more. And really, as the song just suggested, Lord, help us to leave this life with nothing left, that we've given everything to you. But I fear that so many of us have so much more to give, so much more that we're holding back. God, I pray that you be with us this morning. We love you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. You ever have one of those days that just did not go according to your plans? Anyone? Anyone had a day like that already this year? Yeah, I think many of us have. Um, Nate had one of those days the other day. It wasn't yesterday per se. Amanda kind of took an illustration that I might have used today, but she did a better job than I probably would have done with it. But Nate had one of those days the other day where nothing was going right. Uh, He was getting ready to come over with Amanda, and she was going to take down some of the Christmas decorations, and uh, he had to go back in the house to get something, and as he was going back in the house, he was running, and he rounded a corner and met the wall face on, actually ear on. He busted up his ear. It was pretty bad. Uh, So that was the start of it, and then he came over and was, you know, he finally got, you know, came to and everything like that, and he was fine. Don't worry. But um, then he came back to my office, and his fingernails were already pretty short, and he had some that... I don't know if he had been biting him or whatever, but they had kind of, you know, some hangnails and this and that. So he's like, Dad, I need you to clip my nails. So I'm in the process of clipping his nails. And again, they're already pretty short. But in the process of clipping his nails, I grabbed a big chunk of skin. Just trying to, you know, make the boy, you know, tougher and harder and stuff. No, I wasn't. So I felt bad. So it's stuff like that kept happening to him that day. He just had one of those days where everything seemed to go from bad to worse. And I think many of us have had days like that. And I think what we do to try to make life better sometimes, you ever done a life hack? Have you ever done a life hack? You know what a life hack is? It's those things that help make life more manageable. Now, there are a lot of life hacks, and I was going to show some of them. We're not going to do it just for sake of time. But uh, many of us use certain life hacks, certain things to make life better, to make life more understanding and more manageable. You know, performing life hacks is not a bad thing, and some are actually very useful and helpful in getting the job done or saving space or whatever it is. But I want you to understand, on a deeper level, I think there are many of us that are trying to hack life. Here's what I mean. We're trying to do things to make our lives better, but sadly we tend to leave out a very important piece, God. God. You know, it doesn't matter how many books you read, how many blogs you read, how many vlogs you watch or podcasts you listen to. Nothing will truly help you control life. Now, it can help you manage life. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with planning out your day, your week, your month. Um, You know, I I plan out the year for the church before the year starts, and I have a, a vision I believe God has given me for the church, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I meant to bring my planner versus my wife's planner because my planner is very basic. It's gray and it's all written in pencil so that I can easily change it. Hers is all like color coordinated flowers and stickers and, and pens, stuff like that. So she can't change it. So, but the thing is, is she's learned that sometimes days don't go according to your plans. Right, Amanda? Sometimes. Has anyone ever had a day that's gone completely according to your plan? A week? A month? Probably not. None of us have. Because life happens, and what we learn is that we can't control this thing called life. And within many of us, listen, there is a great struggle that is going on deep within our being. And it's a struggle for control. You see, life hacks are helpful. They make things manageable. But life has never been designed to be controlled by you. It was designed to be dependent on your Heavenly Father. Let me say that again. Life was never designed to be controlled by you. It was designed to be dependent on your Heavenly Father. But how many times are we trying to control things that are never ours to control? And I dare say, if many of us are honest, we probably have some control freaks in here, right? Oh, we got one honest person, two honest, three. Do I have four? Four, five. All right, very good. (laughs) We got some honest people today. We got a lot of control freaks. I can be a control freak. But I've realized not just this past year but in life in general, I cannot control life. Life happens whether I want it to or not. Things happen that are far beyond my control. Things that happened in 2019 to me personal uh, on a personal level happened that were beyond my control. I never intended to go into the hospital to mess up my wife's ear. I never intended that to happen, but it happened. And I have bills to show for that. Not just hospital bills, but other bills as well. But life happens and it's beyond our control. But here's a point that I made last week and it's very very important to understand this message. It is not up to anyone in here to hold your life together. Did you know that? It is not up to you to hold your life together. Who's it up to? God. But how many times are we trying to do things to hold our lives together? I've got to make sure everything is is right and planned out, so I hold my life together. Again, there's nothing wrong with planning. That's that's, that's really being a good steward, and Amanda's going to talk about that in the ladies, and I'll talk about more of that later this year. There's nothing wrong with that. God wants us to be a good steward, which is a manager of the life that he has given us. But it's not up to us to control life. It's not up to us to hold everything together. And the book of Ecclesiastes, as I've said before, is really a book on the study of lordship. It's asking the question who is your Lord? Who is in control? And as we come to chapter 8, Solomon is learning and teaching us that control is not within our reach. I know, just blew some of your minds. In fact, life is filled with many enigmas. You know what an enigma is? It's a word most of you can't even say, probably. I can't even hardly say it sometimes. But an enigma is this it's a person or thing that is mysterious, puzzling, and difficult to understand. You ever feel that way about life? You ever feel that way about your mate? <laughs> Never mind. Sir Winston Churchill was seldom at a loss for words. Neither the French nor the Americans baffled him. Even Nazi Germany didn't leave him bewildered. But the USSR and their unpredictable and illogical actions frequently threw him for a loop. On one occasion, he exclaimed in utter exasperation, trying to maintain a good relationship with a communist is like wooing a crocodile. You don't know whether to tickle it under the chin or beat it over the head. (laughs) When it opens its mouth... You cannot tell whether it's trying to smile or preparing to eat you up. I feel like that with my kids sometimes. He says, it's a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. But I like that last phrase that he says. It's a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. And that's an apt description of many things in life. And really, this is a perfect message to start off this year. It's really a simple message this morning. You see, a large part of our lives are trying to figure out things that we cannot change and we cannot control. Listen to me. We seek answers, listen, that we cannot have to questions that we do not understand. We seek authority and power or judgment that we do not possess. We seek to escape that which has power over us so that we can have power over it. But many of us do that. We seek answers to things that we can't have, to questions that we do not understand. There's a lot of answers that I seek. And God is not mad necessarily when we ask him questions. But how often do we demand God to give us an answer? God, you better give me an answer. You better tell me exactly why you did this. Maybe you haven't done that, but I've done that. I'm being honest. I've challenged God. God, I demand an answer. As if I'm some sovereign being. As if I'm someone that's greater than my heavenly father. But the fact is, there are sometimes he gives me answers to my questions, but there are many times he says, Chris, you're not going to understand it even if I give it to you. And plus, it's not up to you to hold life together. I want you to listen to this. You either go through life grasping for control. Here's what I mean. You're frustrated over not having it. And there are many people like that. They have to have control of everything. They have to control everything. I mean, all the way down to the remote. You know, they can't give up the remote because they have to control it. I can't trust someone else to to switch the channel. I have to drive everywhere. I have to control everything. So you either go through life grasping for control and frustrated when you don't have it, or you actually rest in Him who actually is in control. And when you rest in Him who is actually in control, you find your life more restful, peaceful, and joyful. Here's the key principle that we're trying to unlock this morning and this year. You either go through life contending or contented. You either go through life contending struggling, wrestling. Or you go through life contented in the fact that you don't have all the answers. But there is someone that does. And I don't want you to raise your hand, but which one are you? Are you one that's always trying to contend, to try to wrestle for control? Or are you one that is trying to contend, to be content? Listen, if we go through life contending, then eventually we will self-destruct. I guarantee that. Our heart says, I have to find a solution. I have to find answers. But Jesus says, I never made you to find all the answers. I never created you to do everything. Jesus tells us to rest in him. And I asked this question last week, but how often is our lack of joy a product of a lack of balance? And what I mean is that we are trying to... It goes back to that balancing plates message. How often are we trying to balance plates that we should never balance? I won't break a plate today, I promise. But how often are we doing that? Well, I'm, I'm giving it my all. I mean, I really gave it my all this year. I didn't ask if you gave it your all. Did you contend last year? With your creator? Or were you content in him? Knowing that there are things that you will never understand. You see, Jesus tells us in Matthew to come to him. Why? Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But we are trying to make our burden heavier instead of giving it all to him. You see, if we go through life contending, we will eventually self-destruct. But if we go through life contented, and we will find life more enjoyable. We'll realize that we were created for more than ourselves, and it's going to be very hard for many of us to have an effective impact if we're always trying to control things. Here's what I want for you for this year. It goes much deeper than the theme. Here's my goal for our church in 2020, and it's a very challenging goal. You Ready? I want you to learn to lose control. doesn't make sense. Well, in our minds, it doesn't make sense because what we're thinking, if I lose control, it's chaos. I'm thinking of probably what's going on in the back right now with the kids. They've probably lost control of the kids, and who knows what's going on back there? (laughs) At least we don't hear them. You ever had those moments even with your own kids where you've lost control? (laughs) Yeah, we all have stories like that. But that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm asking you to do, what I'm challenging you to do this year, is learn to surrender control to the only one who is truly in control. But pastor, I have to have answers. You don't understand my personality. It doesn't matter your personality. You were never meant to control everything. You were never meant to hold everything together because you weren't the one that hung the stars in the sky. You weren't the one that created something from nothing. Everything you have is a gift from your heavenly father who controls it all. So in order for this year to be as successful as it can be, in order for this year to be as great as it can be, we have to learn to lose control. We have to say, God, I am not in control of my life. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, and we're going to go back to the beginning this tonight, so you don't want to miss that. But what Solomon is starting to understand is that I have no control of life. I tried to control my life. I tried to find enjoyment and satisfaction and meaning and significance. I chased everything, and everything left me more meaningless, more unsatisfied, You know, there are two main problems, types of problems in our world and our churches today. There are external problems and internal problems. An external problem deals with the surface. It deals with what we can see on the outside. But internal problems go far deeper. to only what God can see. And sadly, we spend so much time fixing external things. When the only way to cure our need for control is to fix the internal. To fix our heart. Listen. Your distresses are not an external problem. They are an internal problem. Your displeasures are an internal decision that, that, um, more than an external circumstance. Inside of you are attitudes that you choose, fantasies that you fuel, and life realities that you resist. And when you do this, you are contending with the one that is mightier and more powerful and more understanding and more compassionate and more gracious than you ever will be. I like what one preacher had to say about this. What's going on around you is not the problem. What's going on within you is. But how often are we trying to control what's going on around us? Thinking that's going to make everything better. And we fail to figure out what's going on within us is the problem. You see, here's what Solomon is helping us understand in chapter 8. There is sweetness in surrender. We don't think of it like that because our minds are equipped to think unbiblical things because our culture is so unbiblical. You don't surrender, there's no sweetness in surrender. But did you realize that willing surrender is always better than forced surrender? Think about your own kids. Isn't it always better when they willingly surrender their will to yours instead of you forcing it? Like last night with Nate, trying to get him to understand. Ravioli, I mean, who doesn't like ravioli? It wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, I I just, well, there might be some people, but whatever. It's beside the point. It really wasn't that big of a deal. And as Amanda was saying, there was something far better waiting for him. He just had to eat really a, a couple little those ravioli cubes. It wasn't that big of a deal. And he had already determined in his mind that he didn't like it without ever even trying it. But don't we do the same thing with God? God, I don't like this path that you've chosen. Well, you haven't even actually followed the path, so how do you know if you like it or not? And plus, how do you know if you like it when you don't even control anything? When I'm the one that sees everything. All you see is what's right in front of you. I know the end before the beginning. <laughs> I like what A.W. Tozer had to say about surrendering. Listen, listen, He said the concept of surrender runs counter to our preoccupation with ordering of our own lives. In sometimes unconscious willfulness and independence, we fight God at every turn. Instead of yielding to his hands like pliant clay, we can take an unbending stance that requires the trauma of breaking rather than the gentleness of molding. No wonder we are exhausted. Because I'm not going to break, I'm not going to bend. God's going to have to bend to my will. Doesn't he know who I am? He does. But don't you know who he is? There was an officer in the Navy who had always dreamed of commanding battleships. Finally, he had his chance and was given commission of the newest and proudest ship in the fleet. One stormy night as the ship plowed through the sea, the captain was on duty of the bridge, and he went off the port. He started to, to see a strange light rapidly closing in on his vessel. Immediately, he ordered the signalman to flash the message to the unidentified craft. He said, "'Alter your course 10 degrees to the south.'" A reply soon came back to this battleship, and it said, "'Alter your course 10 degrees to the north.'" Determined that the ship would not take a back seat to no one, the captain snapped back an order. He said, "'Alter your course 10 degrees to the south.'" "'I am the captain.'" The response came back, "'Alter your course 10 degrees to the north.'" "'I am Seaman 3rd Class Jones.'" I don't think it was Michael Jones, but anyway. This infuriated the captain even more. He then sent another message, alter your course, I am a battleship. To which the reply came back, alter your course, I am a lighthouse. (laughs) Don't we do that sometimes? I mean, this illustration is a great depiction of how we view God. We fight God and we contend with God. God, you alter your course. No, I am unmovable. You alter your course. You do what I've asked you to do. You see, if that captain continued on the course that he set, what was going to happen? He was going to crash. Self-destruction was awaiting him. But if he altered his course, he was going to live. And we miss out on so many things in life because we are headed right for disaster. But we're going to do it. (laughs) I don't really care who gets in the way. I don't really care if God says this is good or not. I'm going to do it because this is my life. It's not. And many of us still have not learned that there is sweetness in surrender. Pastor, you're out of your mind. I probably am. But there is sweetness in surrendering to God. There's sweetness in willingly saying, you know what, God? I don't control anything. But you do. So, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna trust in you. I'm gonna realize that you know more than I know. You understand more than I understand. And here's the simple part of this message. We're gonna very quickly look at these verses. Here's what we must learn to do. Really, if we want to have an impact in our community, if we're gonna have an impact in our world, here's what we must do: we must surrender to the unknowable things in life. There's a lot of unknowables in life, isn't there? Yes, there's a lot of unknowables. Think about the start of this year. There's a lot of potential, but there's a lot of unknowables. I don't know what's going to happen in October. I have planned out for what I want to happen in October, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. There are a lot of unknowables, and that's what Solomon has been getting at in this chapter, in the preceding chapters. Really, when you think about it, it doesn't really sound promising. But here's what Solomon is doing as he's closing out this chapter. He's accepting questions that he cannot answer. Did you get that? He's accepting questions that he cannot answer. There's a story told of Mark Twain. On one of Mark Twain's travels, he asked the baggage handler on the train if the man thought his briefcase was strong enough to be checked in and placed in the baggage compartment. He wasn't sure and ready for what happened next. The baggage handler shrugged, and he took Mark Twain's briefcase and hurled it down the pavement. (laughs) He said, "'That, sir,' is what you'll get in Philadelphia. Then he picked it up again, beat it five or six times against the side of the train, and he continued to say, that's what you'll get in Chicago with your luggage. Finally, he threw Twain's briefcase to the ground again and stomped on it vigorously until Twain's books and papers spilled out saying, now that's what you'll get in Sioux City. As Mark Twain watched aghast, the baggage handler nodded at the now mangled briefcase and advised, If you're going any farther than Sioux City, sir, I'd suggest you carry it yourself. But the point is this life's a lot like that. There are times when we shake our heads wondering what's going on. We're battered, we're bashed, we feel beaten. It would be nice to know what's going to happen, but we don't have the luxury of Twain to see what was going to happen to his briefcase with our life. We don't have that luxury. And that's what frustrates us because we can't control things. We want to know everything. We want to know exactly why this happened in our life. Look, I still want to know why certain things happened in my life, but I still haven't figured them out because certain things I'm learning are unknowable. And what gives me more joy is when I surrender to the fact that, you know what, I'm not going to know the answer to everything. But I guarantee you, those that are always contending for control and trying to find the answer to everything and understanding all of life, you're going to go through life more frustrated, disgusted than the person that has learned to surrender. Surrender is not a bad thing. In our minds, it is. It's giving up. I'm supposed to be in control. I'm an American. I'm a Texan. i got to be in control. I'm proud. Who cares? Surrender is. To the one and only one who controls everything. And that's what Solomon learned. You see, the best that most of us can observe on this journey of life from the window of our moving train is that it's an enigma, it's a puzzling mystery. Why is God's power so confusing? Well, here's the simple answer we aren't God and it's not up to us to hold everything together. Solomon is trying to figure this out, and he's starting to figure it out. You see, God does not expect us to know the unknowable. There are questions that will never be answered, but he does expect us to learn what we can and obey what he teaches us. The French philosopher Blaise Pascal once wrote, if there were no obscurity man would not feel his own corruption. If there was no light, man could not hope for a cure. Thus, it is not only the right, but useful for us that God should be partly concealed and partly revealed. Since it is equally dangerous for man to know God without knowing his own wretchedness as to know his wretchedness without knowing God. And Solomon is finally figuring it out. Look at verse number 15. He says, then I commended mirth, talking about laughter and enjoyment. Because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat, drink, and be merry. He's not just saying, just, just waste your life away. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? I'm going to enjoy the life that God has given me by following God, by listening to God, by surrendering to things that I do not understand. You see, with the meaninglessness of life so plain to the preacher, all he could counsel was to make the best of the bad situations of life and enjoy it the way that God intended you to enjoy it. Verse 16, When I applied mine heart to know wisdom, to see the busyness that is done under uh, upon the earth, for there also is that neither day nor night sleep uh, with his eyes. Basically, he's wrestling with sleep, as many of us to do. And a lot of times the reason we wrestle for sleep and we can't sleep is because we're trying to control things that we can't control. I need more money, so I've got to, I got I can't sleep because I need more money. Well, how are you going to make more money by not sleeping? You, you can't control that. Verse 17, then I beheld all the work of God, listen, that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun, because though a man labor to seek it out, yet he shall not find it. You can work and work and work, and you're still not going to figure out. Yea, further, though a wise man think to know it, now listen, yet shall he not be able to find it. Here's Solomon's conclusion. We must learn to be content with not knowing everything. That's what he's saying in these verses. You can search and search and search and labor and labor and labor, but you're still not going to be able to find the answers that you need or that you want. And his conclusion to this chapter, and as he's really, again, turning a corner, he's saying that we must learn to be content with not knowing everything. And some will listen to a message like this and it'll really convict you and change your path, and others will just get more grouchy, more dissatisfied, and forget that guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I don't a lot of times, you're right. But God does. And the wisest man that ever lived figured it out. So if he figured it out, why don't we figure it out? And I can just picture Solomon in a sense here as he's writing this down. It's almost as if he's, he's been trapped inside of his basement, you know, for, for weeks and months and trying to, to figure out how to hack the code of life. And finally, he just kind of, in frustration and despair, kind of throws his arms up and steps outside into the sun. It's like, I can't figure it out. But man, it's so much better out here than it was in there. It's so much better outside in the sun instead of wasting away. And how often do we just waste our lives away? Instead of enjoying what God has called us to enjoy, we waste our lives away because we're trying to control things that were never ours to control. And I can almost see Solomon in this passage as he basically looks out in the sky and he looks out above the sun and he he almost, it's like he's saying, you know what, God? I don't understand, but you win. I don't get it. I don't understand why these things have happened in my life. I don't understand why I can't find the answers to everything. But you know what? You win. I can see him starting to smile. Not because he finally has the answers. I think he's smiling because he's being held by the holder of all the answers. I think it goes back to what Amanda was saying. Nate came to her and just wanted him to be held by his mom. You see, our Heavenly Father wants to hold us, He wants to wrap His arms around us and say, You know what? You don't have the answers, but I do, so trust me. Surrender to the unknowables of life. Don't waste your life. Don't waste the days. I know there's things you don't like. There's things you don't understand. Who cares? Because life was not made for your purpose, for your glory. There is something far better waiting for you. For Nate last night, it was brownies. For us, if you're a child of God, it's heaven. This life is not the end. It's just the beginning. And it's just a small fragment. And yet so often we waste our lives because we're searching and contending for control. And basically we're going to live our lives and we're going to look back and man, I've wasted so much. I remember graduating high school my senior year and I looked back towards the end, it was about a couple weeks before graduation. I'm like, man, what did I just do the past four years? And I was thinking that because really, I wasted a lot of potential that I had by not studying, by not caring, by just doing whatever I wanted to do. And I'm like, what? what was I thinking? How foolish was I? But there's been many other times where I've done the same thing. I look back, what was I doing that year? What was I doing that month? What was I doing that week? Why was I trying to, to think I had all the answers when I didn't have the answers? contend for life you will self-destruct but be contented in the life that God has given you you'll find joy See, seriously church this is it this is what I want from us to learn to lose control I want you to look up and give in to God I want you to look up as Solomon is doing here in this chapter and say you know what God I don't get it but you win (laughs) But so many of us can't do that because we have to win. But did you realize that when God wins, you win too? But when you try to win, you actually lose. Ah, I need control. No, here's what you need to do. One word, five letters. Relax. (laughs) That's what surrender is. It's the ability to relax in the reasons of God, even when you don't know them and understand them. You know, this year brings a lot of potential, but there are a lot of unknowables as well. And here's what surrender does for us. It accepts the facts that God knows best. Here's what we have to do Surrender to the unknowables. Pastor, there's a lot of questions I have. That's okay. You're not going to figure it all out in one message. I guarantee that. But you know how you'll start to figure out the questions of life? Being in God's word on a regular basis. Praying, asking God. Being in church more than just once a month. (laughs) It's important to be here, really, every time the doors are open because you're not going to hack the code of life if you just come whenever you feel like coming. I know there are extenuating circumstances. I get that. But really a challenge for all of us this year is to try to be in church more. Try to be in more Bible studies because that's what gives us the answers. God's word gives us the answers. You're not going to figure out the answers by watching all the movies. That's that's fine. That's enjoyable, but it's not going to give you the answers to life. This does. So what do we need to do? What do we need to learn? We need to surrender to the unknowables. It's always best when God wins because when God wins, we win. But if we try to win in our own need for control, we will inevitably self-destruct and lose more than we can possibly imagine. At the start of this year, here's, here's what I want us to do. I want us to basically, in a sense, throw our arms up the air. Take a deep breath, let it out. Look up to God and say, God, you win. There's more satisfaction in that. And that's what I've been trying to do already this year. Throw my hands up to God. (sighs) Okay, God, you win. I'm going to start listening, I'm going to start obeying, I'm going to start trusting and stop contending and stop wrestling and stop trying to control things that I cannot control because all it's doing is leaving me more devastated, more frustrated, more dissatisfied. So God, you win.